0: the busy. Uh, now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So I don't know if you remember, but I said at the end of last week's episode of Tuning In that Avatar is one of my favorite episodes of The X-Files. And my question okay. to you is this. After having seen it, do you find that surprising?
1: Uh, yes and no, because I I found it a very muddled episode in some ways. Like It is one of the Obviously, X-Files does a lot of leaving ambiguous, and I felt this was one of the episodes in which the ambiguities kind of hurt it, but at the same time, I mean, this is, I, I would say this is probably the first Skinner episode. We've been edging on that, you know, the scenes of him in the di- in the uh, little diner with, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, but this episode does really hinge on something which has been understated, which is that we don't really know who Skinner is as a person. You know, we don't know what his personal life is. We don't know what he does when he goes home at the end of the day. And you know, this episode is very much about Skinner. You know, this episode recognizes that Skinner is a very closed-off person for various reasons. And you know, as he says in this episode, he has been. You know, very because of the shit he's seen, he's become very closed off and cold because he's you know that's his way of dealing with how fucked up you know things are from his point of view. Um, and I I very much like that the episode takes that and runs with it, and you know gives us an episode in which the central mystery I, Mulder in a situation where he has possibly killed someone. We know immediately he didn't do it. With Skinner, because we don't really know him that well, it's vaguely possible, isn't it? And, again, I appreciate that from the episode. Um, Yeah. I don't like... The old woman parts of the episode, I don't feel are as effective. The supernatural bits of it are not that effective. And I feel like the episode may have been better if there had been either a little more or a little less of that, but... I'm not sure I would, you know, I, I... well, I mean, what we
0: have here is, is a very, very dense episode that has a lot of, of, of plot lines going on. And, and like, I think other, other episodes that we've seen, it, it initially starts out as, as one type of episode and then it becomes a mythology episode and, it's not a strong mythology episode, of course, but it does continue the plot line of these guys want to kill Skinner or, or want to frame him and get him out of the picture because yeah. he is working to protect Mulder and Scully and i i like that turn that the episode makes i think that it's very very it 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 follows up on what we have seen before that the mythology people the syndicate whoever they are uh are not going to just give up and say okay well skinner whatever you do what you need to do And I I like the fact that it's really grounded in in character um, in two ways. Number one, of course, is that we learn more about Skinner and and Skinner's personal life and and his demons, which we will talk about. But also that it gives Mulder and Scully an opportunity to protect protect Skinner and to help Skinner in the same way that Skinner has done that for Mulder and Scully so many times.
1: Yeah, and... I mean, there is the typical Mulder's willing to believe that, you know, this didn't happen. Scully is saying, well, the evidence is really stacked against, you know, Mulder has this idea about the succubus, which Scully doesn't necessarily, you know, Scully's going with it, Scully, in this episode to a little bit. But, I mean, it is very possible that this episode has a very mundane for the world of the X-Files uh explanation to it. Again, it's left ambiguous. It is possible that seeing this old woman is a suggestion put in by somebody on the, you know, in the syndicate, sure. you know, that that is, that is certainly plausible within the fiction of the show just as it is possible that there is this, you know, spirit entity who is is she protecting Skinner? Is she being threatening towards him? That's ambiguous as well.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I, I think it might be a good idea to to dispense with the supernatural elements of this episode first because they yeah. don't really go anywhere. And no. like you said, it's left very ambiguous as to whether or not this old woman actually exists or what the hell is going on. And you you see this tension i think in a lot you would see this tension more in i think in a previous season of the x-files where you kind of had to shoehorn in a supernatural element to an episode they weren't necessarily confident enough to to do a straight up you know police procedural episode or whatever and, and that has sort of gone away I, I don't think that's what's going on here, though. I think that, you know, what, what I think is interesting about this episode in particular is I believe this is the first episode that uh, David Duchovny gets a story credit on. And okay. charitably speaking, I don't think that actors getting story credits is necessarily a good thing. Um, hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's and I think you'll see this much, you'll see this pretty soon actually with a a fourth season episode that I, I believe David Duchovny may have even written the script for. I I don't remember exactly. Um, and it, it does have this generalized air of something is going on, but it's not very well defined and then it just stops and it's not a very good, I don't think it's a very good episode, but we'll get to that when we get to it. So I think that's the first indication that, that, that something is going on here. Um, and to me the the succubus or the old woman or whatever is going on it does it actually exist does it not actually exist who knows I, I think that the the clearest evidence we have for that is Scully finding the the phosphorescence around yeah. the the woman's mouth that that uh, the syndicate kills for example but at the end of the day it doesn't really matter. I think that what what that plot line or what that element in the episode is really there for is to get to that scene at the end of the episode when, you know, Skinner and Mulder, or, or towards the end of the episode when Skinner and Mulder are talking and Skinner kind of, you know, they go back to the story of Skinner with his near-death experience, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that's really what the point of it is, to, to get Skinner yeah. to an emotional place that he is going to talk about that experience again. and. I guess that's okay. I don't think the episode spends too much time on the succubus stuff. And if it's just a little bit of a jump scare thing, if it's just a little bit of a mystery to make the episode that much creepier, all right.
1: Yeah, we, again, it is very possible that Skinner has been given certain suggestions to see that, you know, his experience in Nam, he had. You know, he saw this woman because he was dying and hallucinating, and that's you know what happens when you die and hallucinate. And the syndicate is running with that. It's not impossible that the syndicate put that phosphorescence right. on there to further, you know, because obviously, you know, when they're having the you know, meeting with internal affairs and they're talking about that, that doesn't help the case, you know. So
0: yeah, that yeah, that's very true, and I I, I think that. You're right. Like it, it totally could have been the syndicate that did that to, to make Skinner think he was going crazy or something to, to, huh. you know, cause they, they, I think they know at this point that given that kind of information, Mulder is going to go in a very different direction than, than Scully is going yeah. to go, for example. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that was a misdirection to waste their time, you know, because, but again, it's interesting because the syndicate, I think is, they're they're underestimate what what they what their fatal mistake is they are always underestimating these people and yes you could say okay well it's a television show so they have to because otherwise the show would end but I don't think so I think that you know what what we're seeing the edges of here is that the shadowy men in that room on Forty Sixth Street in New York City that are doing all of this stuff and the cigarette smoking man of course is a part of that and is is, is briefly in this episode that they are very confident and and they are confident to a degree which is unearned i think they they have covered up this alien conspiracy stuff whatever it is for a long time and they think they can do anything and, and they can't
1: i mean this is one of those situations in which you have evil being unable to comprehend love in a way, right? Like, nobody in the syndicate is really loyal to each other. They're really waiting for their moment that they can all descend and rip apart the cigarette-smoking man, right? Like, they are—their loyalty is only of convenience, and the second one of them is is compromising that, uh, they're gonna cast him out. And— I I think that in some ways it's implied that that's their blind spot, that you have Scully and Mulder and now Skinner being invited into kind of that circle uh, in a way, and ultimately they do have bonds that are stronger than that no matter, you know, what. You know, Mulder is always going, you know, it doesn't really matter what the evidence is. Mulder knows Skinner and Mulder feels loyal to Skinner and you know, just as Skelly pointed out in the last mythology episode, that uh, you know, both of you know, both Skinner and Mulder, when they have some, they're, they're a dog with a bone when they have something in different ways. But when they see a case, when they see an injustice, they are going to do what they can. You know, do everything in their power to make that so. And I think that's something the conspiracy just will yeah. not click on. It may be a simple theme, but. I think it is certainly a dynamic.
0: No, I think that's right. And and I, I guess the other part of it, too, is, you know, moving aside from from the conspiracy stuff that. I, the one question I always have about this episode is, does it make sense that Scully is so willing to believe that Adam Skinner murdered this woman? Because, you know, Mulder obviously does not. Mulder is, is very insistent from from mm-hmm. the beginning of the episode that. Skinner did not do this, and that is consistent with with his character, I think, because Mulder is a, a person who comes up with a theory i 'm not necessarily saying to fit the facts, but he he kind of does that and but I think his his insistence that Skinner is innocent in this episode is coming more from a place of of trust in Skinner in, in, in a belief that he knows who Skinner is, and in an episode which is kind of about the fact that they don 't know who Skinner is. Um, it, it, it's an interesting juxtaposition. Meanwhile, Scully is very willing to believe that Skinner be- killed this woman. She is. She looks at the evidence and she says, "Okay, well, this does not look good for him, and I don't know what else the explanation could be." But it, yeah. but but it, that that I- kind of rings false to me because Scully has been willing to trust Skinner in the past now of course she did pull a gun on him in one instance but you know who hasn't
1: (laughs) yeah I mean with this episode especially with dealing with prostitutes I keep remembering and I don't remember what episode it is but Skinner in a there is one where Skinner's in a police station and there is an officer you know leading a hooker to a cell or something like that and Skinner very briefly checks her out at one point like it, it, it was a funny little you know note at the time but and I mean this is an episode that remembered that moment and I mean if you – talk, this is a thing, right? Men will not believe that another man who is friends with their the, of theirs has committed a sexual assault. Women are more likely to believe that men are capable of that um, because they've seen more – and I think this is part of that place, right? Like Mulder says, oh, I know him. He's a good guy. He would never do that and Scully I guess recognizes that, yes, maybe he didn't probably he did it but to say that he is incapable of this is you know that that's a tr- that's a dangerous trap because i think Sc- scully can believe especially after all that she has seen in her career that there is that capability.
0: Yeah, and and I think that, that it the episode does smartly play around with and and really names the the fact of the matter <laughs> that Mulder and Scully don't know a lot about Skinner personally, yeah, and, and don't really know what he's capable of, and and that is the point I think that Scully is making when she talks to Mulder and, and 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 essentially says that right, like I think she says at one point like, hey, we don't know this guy really, we don't know what he does in his off yeah. time, we don't. How do we know he's not capable of this, right? And and I think you're right that it is partially coming from a place of of the genders of the two characters involved, which I don't think it's an outright thing, and it may not even be something that, that no. the writer of this episode was necessarily cognizant of, but, but I definitely think it's there.
1: I mean, this is an episode that – both of these episodes uh, know the characters extremely well. Uh, I mean, we've talked about some episodes like, yeah, it seems like they're a – you know, they're just kind of on the side. What was the episode the other week? Um, yeah, a, a, but a lot of times, you know, we'll see one that's like, the writer doesn't really understand these two characters. This this, this writer does. And so I think that might be a dynamic that is coming through due to that insight. Yeah. Simply. And so, I mean, they, they don't even know that Skinner is married at this point. You know, the, it, 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 that's a very, uh, you know, even if he's going through a divorce, that's a very obvious fact that they don't know. So yes, Skelly's point of, there is so much we don't know about. How can we possibly say that he's not capable of this? He is, I I mean, he he is somebody who has, you know, had a few action scenes. He is capable of violence. And, you know, is he capable of violence against women in this way? They, you know, Scully can't say
0: no. Right. She can't say no. And I think the other thing that, that is kind of the undercurrent there, of course, is this idea that they didn't know that Skinner was married and that he was getting divorced. And, you know charitably speaking if if skinner is the type of person that can wall off his feelings and his personal life from his professional life that thoroughly right i mean he's never had a phone conversation with his wife in the office his secretary for example doesn't know that he's married like we don't know but i he hasn't been wearing a wedding ring for
1: longer than the eight months he's been separated, I mean, is part of the implication, but, too. But, you know,
0: he must have been wearing it at some point. So it's—I it's. It, it's I don't know exactly to what to—I mean, you could really track it and say, well, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, how could they not know he was married? But, okay, I for the purposes of the episode, you have to go with it. And, I, I, I mean, it works for me. I, I wonder if it works for you, this revelation that, that Skinner was not only married, but— is is getting a divorce? Like I think that that opening scene of the episode is is really interesting because it, it it's the first time I think ever that that Skinner opens an episode, especially by himself, yeah. and uh, y- this revelation that he's getting divorced is is kind of interesting, and it, it it sets up the episode to to go I think in a very interesting direction. Now, if it went in the direction you thought it would, I, I don't know, but did that work for you?
1: Uh yeah, it did. I mean, it's. There is a degree of, of well, of course he's getting divorced, and you know it puts, for example, the fact that he goes to this little di- diner every night for dinner um, into a different context. Like, yeah, well, he's not you know going he's not going home for dinner or having dinner at home because you know he, he's getting divorced. No one's cooking for him. He's probably not the kind of person who would learn to cook for himself. Right. and You know, this is just that tiny thing. It again, the implication. You know, they he's been in the show two years at this point, right? Let's let, like, let's say that they, and I don't know, it's possible that he came up with a more mundane reason for not wearing his ring. If he had been wearing it at any point, Scully would have noticed- Scully or, and or Mulder would have noticed, right? Like, so, you know, uh, the, the given that, you know, his wife, Sharon, Shannon? Sharon, Shelly, Sharon, um, Shallon, um, says Scally. that, uh, Given the scallion says that you know it's been eight months since they've been separated, but the marriage ended long before that. I mean, that's it. Just seems of a piece with that. Yeah, and it I, does.
0: And I, I think the other thing that that really makes the episode work, of course, is is is, is Sharon Skinner because she is well cast. She she looks yeah. the part. I think. I mean, I I I want her red raincoat, but <laughs> it it is the case that. She's very matter-of-fact about the whole thing, and she plays the role very believably of a woman who has been walled off from her husband's feelings and, and, and professional life to, to such a degree yeah. that she's not surprised that Mulder and Scully don't know about her existence, and she really takes it in stride, which makes her a very interesting character. I you know We, we don't get to spend yeah. a ton of time with her, and I don't think we see her alone at all, but it is the case that she's a very intriguing character in this episode.
1: Yeah. She's in no way angry about anything, but, uh, you know, the scene when she comes by him in the house, you know, that, you know, before she gets, you know, you know, attacked in the car, she is, you know, there is still an amount of her that really cares for him that, you know, recognize, you know, the, the, the part of her that, you know, was attracted to him to marry him is still there. And, You know, it's a very – it's more melancholy and wistful rather than bitter and angry, but at the same time, you know, as she says, you know, I don't – I didn't want to live that way. There is still a – you know, I mean, i she's a character I liked very much, you know, even in her brief appearances. Um, She was very self-possessed in that way, but at the same time, you know, she – She gives off the sense of being very complex in a very short amount of time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that the the saddest part of the episode for me is that that scene where she goes to Skinner's apartment and and she really wants him to let her in. I mean, this is a woman who does not want to get divorced. And Skinner also does not want to get divorced. But it's, it's two people who... Well, I don't want to say two people. I, I think it, it's Skinner's fault, right? Like he's he's building a wall. Yeah. He in a, in a sense, this episode is a little bit about toxic masculinity and and how men don't yeah. show their emotions and how that really injures their relationships and, and and them personally. And at the end of the episode, of course, it's left ambiguous as to whether or not they are getting back together because he he goes to her bed when she's in the hospital and and has that speech to her but she's in a coma or she's asleep or something we don't know yeah. if she heard it and it's very moving and we don't know what that means i don't know if we're supposed to to take away from that that Skinner is making peace with the 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 end of his marriage and putting the wedding ring on is is some other thing i mean who knows but you know will we see Sharon Skinner yeah. again we'll have to find out but the core of this is, I think, the ways in which people connect or disconnect. And Mulder and Scully and Skinner have a very particular relationship that is informed by what is happening to them and what has happened to them. And maybe at the end of the episode, what Skinner is is doing or realizing is that it's okay to have a wall up at work, because yeah. that's the end of the episode, right? Like Scully... No, Mulder wants to... Ask him what's going on and how he's yeah. doing, and Skinner is having none of it. But he does put the wedding ring on at the end, so maybe that indicates that he's realizing of that that the power of being able to uh, put your emotions out there in a in a in a context that is appropriate, i.e., that the woman you're married to.
1: Yeah, I mean, there. It, I find you know Mulder saying at the end, you know when. Skinner's all saying, you know, there, what, I, what I what I think happened could never go on a report, and uh, what Mulder is saying probably echoes many things that Sharon has said, you know, you can tell me, you know, talk to me about this, I will understand, uh, I, I will figure out how, you know, we'll get through this together, that kind of stuff, um, if anybody is able to understand a weird-ass experience that Skinner went through, and would accept this, and would, you know, listen without judgment, it would be Mulder, and... You know, just as, you know, and Skinner refuses to. You know, Sharon makes it very clear the reason that she um, was unable to connect. I think he's, you know, Skinner is giving his wife a lot less credit than maybe she deserves. He has, his reasoning for walling himself off is essentially that You know, it was too fucked up. I can't share that with you. I can't do that to you. I can't. I can't bring you into this fucked up world. But at the same time, you know, here she is saying, "I am accepting the fucked up world that you're in. I I can, I can understand that." You know, she again. This episode, I think, suggests that she's a lot stronger for you know than he thinks. And I mean, the fact that she already has been hurt and gotten through it, you know, on the one hand, could make him more reticent to bring her in but on the other hand you know they face the worst that can happen right i don't know
0: perhaps yeah but it it makes you wonder about the the timing of things too because of course skinner was shot now they were separated at that time so maybe she didn't even know i mean who knows but i think that the the other minor criticism of the episode you could make or really make is that i don't know that we get a good sense of of sharon skinner as a person outside of, of Walter yeah. Skinner and and she really is defined by her relationship with him. Now I I mean what does she do for
1: a living? We can't answer that question we, for yeah, example. We, yeah so. we don't
0: know. I mean we don't know anything about her personally. We don't know what she does for a living. You know, we don't we don't even know if they have kids. I mean it doesn't seem like they do, but who knows? Uh and and so that is a one minor criticism of the episode that you could make. Now I think that it doesn't necessarily track that we would need to know that information because this is really an episode about Skinner, Mulder, and Scully and their relationship. But yeah. it, it, is a, it is a minor failing of an episode that I think works on a lot of other levels.
1: I do feel – like I feel even as, as recently as him get, the getting shot episode, I don't think anybody had the idea that he had a wife. You know, I when so when they sat down to write this episode, you know, uh, and I don't know who wrote it, but obviously thought, you know, I'm really interested in the character of Skinner. I wonder who he is. You know, it makes se- it would make sense. that You know, it what would it what would it be like to know this man personally? What would it be like to be married to this person? You know, somebody who has that intimate relationship and he is somebody who is so closed off and holds so much to the vest and. I mean, we've seen the way that he's interacted with Mulder in episodes like The Host, for example, where Skinner is not a person who is going to tell people everything that's going on. He's, again, going to keep everything very close to the vest. Yeah. And, you know, it's one thing to work for somebody like that. And we've certainly talked about what that dynamic means between Skinner and Mulder and how, frankly,. To their detriment, Skinner ought to have trusted Mulder a little bit more, ought to have said, you know, listen, just, you know, go go with it, Mulder. And again, it's one thing in a work context, but in a personal context, it's absolutely devastating.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean it 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 doesn't really matter that much that Skinner doesn't confide in Mulder. I mean it's almost like it's inappropriate for Skinner to confide in Mulder because Skinner is Mulder's boss, but yeah, in, yeah. in a personal relationship that is built on on sharing feelings and 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 really knowing someone, you know, in a marriage, um it it is fatal and it 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 does become fatal. I mean the 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 marriage is dissolving at the, at the beginning of the episode. And yeah, you know, I actually think it's interesting too, that, that Skinner seems to have like a, a more open relationship with his lawyer than he does with his wife. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, she's talking to him about, don't make this more difficult. And he'd say, ah, oh, Jane, why don't you stop lawyering me? You know? And it's, it's almost this very strange sense I get that they have talked about Skinner's feelings uh, yeah. Maybe that's a bit on my part, but it just seems that well, way. to Well,
1: me. I mean, Jane is somebody who ha yeah. As a divorce lawyer, Jane has seen this exact dynamic how many times, right? And uh, yeah, true. She, I, in this per- in this context in particular, it's very hard to bullshit her. You know, she she knows exactly what he's feeling. She knows why he's stalling. She knows why he's dealing with this. She knows why the marriage ended, and. You know, the, the, there is less to hide because just by virtue of her position, she's privy to much more detail.
0: Yeah, that is true.
1: I guess the last thing, and this is a small thing, but the scene at the end when uh, Scully is in the hotel and, you know, on the phone and, you know, she has the gun. I saw a uh, online, a screen cap of that, you know, with her on the phone with the gun and the caption, hang on a second, I have to shoot somebody.
0: So it was very nice to see that. <laughs> oh, Scully, she's always shooting people. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's move on to Quagmire. But before we do that, I just want to take a quick opportunity to remind all of you, the loyal listeners of Tuning In, that this podcast is listener-supported. If you would like to give us a little bit of your money, please go over to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow, check out our reward tiers, and give now. All right, let's talk about Quagmire, which – R.I.P. Quee-Quag.
1: Yeah, he went, he, he, uh, poor Queequeg, um, this felt like a Darren Morgan light episode in a lot of ways, um, in that it is this, like, the characters feel that way, the way that it has an insight into the characters, the way that people are rambling philosophically in a way that fits the plot and the themes of all of that, like, I really liked this episode. Um, no, this is I this thought... is a
0: really good episode, and one of the things that I always think is so interesting about it is that you're right; it kind of does feel like a, a Darren Morgan episode. It was written by the woman who wrote Revelations, which was a very different type of episode, okay. and, and this was only one of two episodes she ever wrote for the X Files. She mm. she leaves the show after this point, which I think is kind of a shame because yeah, Revelations and this no- one are both very strong episodes.
1: Yeah, both of the you know. The plot of both episodes is a little besides the point and in this it turns you know it turns out to probably be an extremely mundane thing at the end of it. but it, the insight that she has into who these characters are, who Scully is, the way that her mind works is very sharp. I mean revelations a, a, as a plot was okay, but for what it reveals about Scully, I mean I refer to that episode all the time, you know I, I find especially in the mythology episodes because that was what gave a more thematic and philosophical heft to Scully's character.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's right. But I, I think the thing that I think is most interesting about these sort of kind of comedic episodes, and and I think you could say that Quagmire, yeah. it's not a comedy episode. I, I, I did laugh a few times. There are jokes in it, sort of. But the comedy is not coming from that sort of surrealistic Darren Morgan place. Yeah,
1: The the characters are kind of outsized, and that's where the comedy comes from. But yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is an episode that is is very interested in uh, this sort of Americana place. And we'll talk about that because that's something the X-Files is very interested in. And this is a perfect example of that. But one of the things I always think is very interesting, and I, I think this may be the first time that we really do see this, is that when the show allows the dynamic between Mulder and Scully to to be a bit looser to be a little less defined by their roles that Scully is kind of annoyed by Mulder and <laughs> i i like that choice i mean you know very beginning in the at the very beginning of the episode when they're in the car driving to the lake and Mulder says, you know, why did you bring your dog? And she says, well, you called me on a Saturday. You want me to fly halfway across the country. I could not find anyone to watch my dog. So, yeah, the dog is here. Deal with it. I I think that that's an interesting scene because it it indicates to me that Scully is annoyed by the fact that Mulder doesn't remember that Scully is a person.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, this reminds me of War of the Phages, you know, and I'm just thinking about how, you know, you keep cutting back to Scully's evening, and she's just washing her dog and, you know, doing just various mundane Saturday things, and it's very clear that that was what her day that she had planned of. She was, you know, just gonna take care of her dog, you know, run some errands and go home and catch a move. You know, like, it was just gonna be nothing, and now she has to be just gallivanting around doing this. Um, Mulder doesn't really seem to care much about his personal life in that way. I mean, you... Um we talked in Jose Chung about, you know, did we see his apartment or not? But the fact that we really haven't seen his apartment, I think, is significant.
0: I mean, we've seen Mulder's Wait, apartment, you, but Yep. You know,
1: did you say bedroom maybe then? But Yeah,
0: bedroom, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um I mean, you know, he 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 is not as interested in the mundanity of everyday life as Scully is. And, you know, in some ways this is about Scully being coming open to more uh, outside possibilities, you know the series is, but she is a much more grounded person than he is, and you know she has a dog, she has a responsibility, and he doesn't.
0: Right, and uh, you know this is this is definitely something that the the show has dropped. But I, I think if you think back to early on in the first season, when the show was still trying to figure itself out, and and if it was going to spend time on their personal lives or not, that scully got those plot lines about oh you know you should have a boyfriend you know when are you gonna have kids stuff like that we we saw scully going on a date uh we've never really seen Mulder go on a date i think the closest we ever got was the first season episode fire when you know his his old flame haha from england Uh, comes back and and that was not good that joke was
1: almost as bad as the episode
0: (laughs) hey i did not actually mean to make that joke um pun not intended but it doesn 't work, like the show realized that Mulder and Scully should not have romantic personal lives on the show it it, it doesn 't work it 's not what people are interested in it 's not necessarily good for the characters. And but at the same time you do see that Scully is more interested in having a a domestic life than Mulder is. I mean, yeah. if I had my choice between living in Mulder's apartment and Scully's apartment, I would choose Scully's apartment every time. You know, Mulder's yeah. apartment is a stereotypical dark bachelor dungeon and Scully's apartment actually looks like a place that a a human being would live.
1: Yeah, I mean to to a degree Mulder is consumed by his work and you know episodes like Grotesque, make it very clear that Mulder is going to go in deep at the expense of health, sanity, and cleanliness. Um, I mean, Scully, <laughs> at, Scully, at the end of the day, always wants to go home and take a shower and then just give her dog a walk, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a point we've made before, but, uh, you know, how many times do you think Mulder actually just sleeps in his office, right? Like, yeah. I don't get the sense that he goes home that often, and when he does, it's probably just to take a shower and change his clothes. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like he spends a lot of time there whereas you're right like scully is at home on a saturday she's washing quee quag she's watching a movie on tv maybe she's making some soup i mean who knows what she's doing but <laughs> she is she is spending time at home whereas Mulder, his home yeah. is not a home it's a place for him to keep his stuff
1: yeah you know he has to have a permanent address and that's about it
0: um so what do you think about this episode in terms of the the mystery because this is an episode that i mean the the end shot of course is establishing that this big blue thing actually exists or who knows what but i think it's pretty it's pretty clear i don't think it's left ambiguous at all that that this prehistoric dinosaur creature actually exists but, yeah,
1: but it's also implied that that wasn't the reason behind any of this. You know, Big Blue is probably still a peaceable creature. It's possible.
0: Oh yeah, I don't I think that the 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 sh- that's actually a smart thing for the show to do because so often the the mystery of the episode, even if they don't catch the thing that is doing it, Uh, is the thing that is killing people. And in this episode, it kind of turns it on its head, and it's like, no, the the explanation was very mundane. It was an alligator. It's in Georgia. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) why no one thought that, I don't know. Maybe alligators don't live in Georgia. I don't know. I mean, they could be that...
1: Yeah, they could just be not indigenous to that particular lake or whatever, even. And, you know, it just happens to get to a part where it ordinarily wouldn't have been, so no one thinks about it, but...
0: I I suppose that's true. I mean, I I don't know to what degree that's supposed to indicate that Mulder is getting very caught up in the mystery of this creature and is dismissing the very real possibility that it is just an alligator. I don't think that's the case because no one else that lives in this town also thinks it's an alligator, which is weird.
1: Yeah. I mean the, the photographer for example or the guy who is uh, running the souvenir shop like they both have a vested interest in big blue existing or at least the possibility of big blue existing and so but I, the photogra-
0: but, I the, but I think those but the, two the characters. Sheriff. I think those two characters are different though I mean the guy running the souvenir shop I don't think actually believes that big blue exists no he, I mean, he's just making a living selling t-shirts and 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 you know photos of the creature but the guy well, who is taking the pictures like really believes that it exists Because why would you spend all your time doing that if you didn't think it existed?
1: Yeah, but I mean, and that's fair. I I guess it's more of a case of, I mean, let's view this a little cynically. The the souvenir shop guy is never going to say to somebody, "Oh, it could just—it's probably just an alligator." Hey, would you like to buy some, buy a T-shirt? You know, he's gonna. I mean, we see him faking tracks at one point, so he's obviously, you know, even if he doesn't personally have faith that this monster exists. He is definitely interested in encouraging the faith of others for his own, you know, purposes. For the photographer, it is a quest. For Mulder, it is a quest. It is important that this exists.
0: But the souvenir owner is is not just encouraging people to believe. He is fabricating evidence of the creature's existence.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's not, you know, the nicest person.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I also like the fact that he apparently thinks that sales tax is run by the federal government because he says oh it's 250 plus uncle sam's cut and you're like wait what that's not yeah. how sales tax works dude he's
1: a georgia republican does it really matter
0: <laughs> I, I guess not i don't know it, 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 it fe- no that
1: does feel like a that felt like an authentic detail in its way
0: well that i mean that that's that's a good segue into talking about the the place of this episode because I, we don't talk a lot about the place that these episodes take take place in but i think it's important that it's this area because the x-files is interested in the weirdness of america and the vastness of america and the sort of like little uh cult stories that people come up with and the local color and these kinds of things and certainly the x files i think can go down a road of being condescending in a way which is not appropriate uh you know there is an element of hollywood liberals uh writing an episode to, that takes place in georgia but this episode doesn't go that far i don't think i yeah. think it does respect these people and i think that it like i think the sheriff is a perfect example of a character that is is actually really interesting because you think okay well it's a sheriff of a small georgia town in the middle of nowhere he's going to be an idiot and he's not like he's very smart and it's a nice inversion of that trope i think
1: yeah i i mean i i the, one of the comedy moments i mean the entire time he's He's being very practical. Number one, he uh, he understands that, you know, closing the lake and saying there's a monster is ridiculous. And, you know, he is also thinking in pragmatic terms of, you know, to get the manpower for this, for something that, you know, has mundane explanations. I mean, he and Scully, for the most part, are in agreement. Oh, it's probably a propeller or something like that. It's an accident. It's not outside. It It's certainly... A lot of people, you know, more people dying than normal, but people die in lakes. It does happen. Uh, and, you know, I, the moment when he does get dragged in, he's like, oh, no, close the lake immediately. You know, when it's happening to him, it's it, it's the end of the world. Um, again, that's, you know, one of the more comic moments, but it is also the moment that it does become real and incontrovertible to him and yeah
0: yeah yeah no absolutely but i i wonder about that scene in particular because he, does he have plot armor like i mean because most of the characters that get dragged into the lake are eaten and the, the sheriff is not yeah, uh, but
1: they're also probably drunk, and you know, probably not in. You know, the sheriff is sober and probably in a slightly better physical condition, and you know, uh,
0: I think if an alligator eats you, I don't think <laughs> it matters if you're drunk.
1: No, and that's true, uh, but also,
0: I think what I'm getting at we is, don't... is it supposed to be the alligator or is it supposed to be Big Blue?
1: or it could even just be a fish and he you know it, 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 it's it's ambiguous what it was he could have even just gotten oh, onto he, a
0: piece no you know what he said he he didn't get dragged in he did say something brushed up against me so yeah yeah it is the case that it could have just been a fish and he's freaking out for no reason
1: yeah something pull i think something pulls him in or something like that it could be again it could be anything um but i think that you're right, it doesn't condescend, and at the very the very end of the episode is Scully saying, you know, these myths endure for a reason, you know, at that point, especially after that conversation on the rock, you know the, this myth the myth of Big blue is very connected to a certain a certain particular kind of hope and faith in a way. and you know, for Scully at the end to affirm that faith. Particularly, again, this is the writer of Revelations. She is somebody who understands the spiritual underpinnings of Scully's quest. And so, you know, for Scully, the myth that gives her hope and uh, a purpose is, you know, is Catholicism. And, um... For these people, it's this myth of Big Blue. From Mulder, it's aliens. Everybody has their own thing. And again, the show is interested in. The show is very clear that these things are all equated. You know, UFOs are God or Big Blue are, you know, whatever. It doesn't really matter. There is some kind, you know, truth is, I think, the series word for it and belief. I mean, she specifically says, you know, people want to believe. She Mm -hmm. understands what it is to want to believe. And so just because it is, I mean, that's the thing that she gets upset at Mulder for, right? That, you know, he's willing to believe everything, but whatever her thing is, he doesn't really respect for various reasons. And I think she is aware enough to know that it would be hypocritical of her to say, you know, well, these people are just believing in a sea monster. That's stupid. But, you know,. I believe in I believe in the Catholic God. That's the one that makes sense. you know. Right. I, I think she's self-aware enough to recognize the contradiction in that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I think going along with that, I, I think it's a real shame that, that Kim Newton never heard another episode of The X-Files yeah. because she's got a very good understanding of these characters. And I, I think you see that very clearly in, in the scene where Mulder and Scully think they're stuck in the middle of the, yeah. the lake for about five minutes. And then it turns out, of course, that they're yeah. not. Another nice little comedic moment that is... It's played for comedy but it it's also serious. I think it's supposed to indicate exactly how ill-equipped these two characters are to be in the middle yeah. of the woods. But And let's not I mean let's let's not you know let's not forget that
1: they are in a bit of danger legitimately because you know they're wet and cold in the middle of the night. Like they could have gotten hypothermia from they, that even if though they are 5 minutes from. I mean yeah. they talk about the dangers of the city. Yes, you know, you think you're going to get mugged, you think you're going to get attacked, but you know in a city, you walk down well-lighted streets with people around, you'll probably be safe in, you know, nature, everything is trying to kill you.
0: Right, yeah, which is the point that, that Scully makes very astutely. But then I, I, I think to that that scene, that conversation they have, you know, where Mulder asks Scully why she named her dog Quag. and then they talk about Ahab, and Mulder is Ahab. And yes, of course, part of this is making the subtext of the show text, but there yes. there is a very sort of... What's interesting to me about this episode is that a lot of the dialogue that Mulder and Scully are having together, a lot of the conversations they're having, have this very sort of meta self-aware yeah. context or, or, or feeling to them, which I think really works because it 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 that's where the show is going. Like the X-Files, yeah. I think to a large degree, is a show that is about itself. And that scene in particular speaks to me because it's making... The point that Scully understands Mulder perhaps more than Mulder understands himself.
1: Yeah, and they are the kind of people who are, I think, going to talk that way. It does feel like it's in their voice because, yeah, you know, these are two people who do have psychological insight, who, as part of their jobs, need to psychoanalyze people. So, of course, they're going to do it to each other and they're going to speak in these particular metaphors and these particular terms and they are going to do so, so bluntly. I mean, this episode remind there are this episode reminds me in some ways of the one on the ship where they're becoming old or the one in the cabin with the bugs you know this yeah. is another where they're trapped in a situation but you know one that turns out again to be a little more ridiculous given that it's you know 2 seconds from shore um but it is one that has you know, two and a half years, three years of understanding of who these characters are in order to inform that discussion. And therefore, it becomes much more resonant to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I think the other thing, too, to your, to your point that it's comedic that, you know, they they are only two minutes from shore that it's also not, right? Because yeah. this episode in particular, and I think the X-Files in general, is is about the ways in which our our expectations or our beliefs or our lock, lack of knowledge about a certain situation – um, really creates a reality for us, and you know, in those episodes you mentioned, the the one where they're on the ship, growing old, for example, um, they were in real danger. This episode, yeah. they are not really in danger, or at least not the danger they thought they were in. But it does create a, it, it does create its own reality, and it creates an intimacy with these two characters. And you know, of course, that's punctured as soon as the. Uh, frog guy shows up and he's like uh, guys you could just like walk out it's right there but
1: yeah but it's also funny that I mean he's the one who has he, he points it out with his flashlight they had a flashlight but theirs is apparently not as powerful enough to get cut through Did they if you want flashlight? to talk about
0: I thought they just had a uh, a lantern a lantern
1: okay either way you know I mean, that's a suggestion of how ill-prepared they are, right? They don't have the big flashlight that's going to show them where shore is. They just have a tiny little lantern, which goes out.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, like, was it a good idea for them to go on a boat
1: at night? Not really. By themselves without a guide? Yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, I mean, yeah, Scully can drive a boat, apparently, and I'm not surprised Scully can drive a boat, but Mm -hmm. uh, it's not necessarily a good idea to do that. And, you know... I guess the other thing too is like does does big blue destroy their boat? I mean I, I think probably yes. Um but in an episode that is kind of not about that so much. Yeah. and What I mean by that is not really about the creature at all. Uh that is kind of a weird thing to happen. Cuz it I mean, doesn't does it-, it doesn't seem like the creature's violent at all so so who knows what was going on there.
1: I mean, it doesn't matter. It could even be just that Big Blue didn't see the boat, you know? I, I doubt very true. many people boat at that time of night. If you have a creature that is nocturnal, you know, because during the day it hides from, you know, all of the people around and figure you know, that's, it's just going and playing and it crashes into a boat by accident.
0: Yeah, that is true.
1: I did really like the exchange, though, when Mulder's talking about, you know, oh, I should have had a peg leg, you know, if I was... Given that – and again, this is a – this is something – part of why I felt it like a Darren Morgan episode because he views Mulder as this ultra-white privilege guy, right? Like Mulder is somebody who in many other people's hands is this outsider. He's in the basement. He's, you know, the the weirdo of the FBI. He's, you know, just by himself. You know, Scully is the only person who understands him. But again, in a Darren Morgan episode, put him against uh, – you know, in Humbug. Put him against real freaks, and Mulder's going to look like this complete FBI suit guy. Um, And, you know, it is really a stupid thing to say, you know, oh, if I had a disability, it would be enough to just go on living, you know, since I'm fine, I have to have a crusade. And, you know, Scully rightfully tells him kind of how stupid that is. I mean, that's, you know, very flippant. And, you know, his response to it, or he's saying, you know, well. You know what's flippant? Hell is an apple dumpling that's undigested, you know, quoting Moby Dick. Uh number one showing that, you know, he does have the same understanding of his I mean, it shows a very strong self awareness on his part as well. Uh he knows that to view this as a crusade may be a little silly in some ways. He really could stop at any time. He's doing this to himself and you know, It, that is a, a strain you see a lot of times, especially in Trump's America, where you have all of these people who are victimizing themselves. Well, you have the fucking president think he is thinking he is the ultimate victim, right? Like, yeah,
0: no, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think that that I'm glad you mentioned that moment because I never know what to make of it. It, it makes Mulder out to be so. Yeah. Unself aware as to almost be ridiculous. And it's a really, really dumb and insulting thing to say. And it's, yeah, uh, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, but it's, it's
1: one that feels real. Like people do feel sorry for themselves in that way. People do victimize themselves. I mean, Look at where Mulder is at that particular moment. He's freezing. He's stuck on a rock. For all he knows, he's going to die in, ser- in search of something, and he's not going to get the answer to it. He is feeling sorry for himself. He is wishing that you know. But at but. And I like that Skelly is there to say, like, listen, no, like, you have no real problems. Like, why are you pre- why are you yeah. romanticizing people who have real problems? And
0: well, I mean, Mulder does have a couple real problems, of- one of which is that there's a shadowy quasi governmental organization that is hell bent on killing him.
1: Yeah, but they're also hell-bent on killing him because he keeps trying to chase his white whale. Again, if Mulder said, you know something, it's true. You know, the X-Files is done. I'm going to go back to the serial killer unit and, you know, do some, you know, calm and sweet cases for a little while. Do something <laughs> less fucked up. Um, I'm sh- You get the sense that they'd let it all go away, right? Like, Mulder... Yeah. The- Again, Mulder will never give up. That is That is Mulder's thing, and the Syndicate knows that, but you know, to romanticize having a disability like that is stupid. And again, once Scully calls him on it, he kind of is like, yeah, you're right. That was a dumb thing to say. That was coming from self-pity.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Well, I, I think the last thing that I'll say before we wrap this episode of the podcast up is I would just take I would just like to take this opportunity as a public service announcement. To say that this episode demonstrates why you should never use those fucking stupid retractable dog leashes. Aww. Because if Scully had not had a retractable dog leash and had a regular dog leash, I think Quee Quag would still be alive.
1: Well, no, you can like click them so that they only retract so far. And, you know, for a teeny dog like that, you don't want to give him too long of a leash.
0: They're not good. They're not good. All right. Well, I think that's it for this episode of the podcast. If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon, as I said before, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tuning in show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for tuning in. It is the best way for new fans to find the show. All right, Richard, we have reached the end of the third season of The X Files. Believe it or not, it was very quick. It feels like it was very quick. This was a very strong season. I'm sure we will talk about the season as a whole next week when we discuss Wet Wired and Talitha Kumai. The Mac, why do you.